dun 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 Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back. <laughs> I am your host, Random Randy. I want to say welcome to Red Thread Podcast. Thank you all for tuning in and for opening your minds. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Okay. So uh, I sat down. I'm like, you know what? I want to start getting some episodes out that uh, kind of just speaking from the heart, as it were, tying some things together, just sort of uh, going through all this madness I'm stacking up in here. One of the coolest things I've uh, looked over in the last couple weeks uh, was Prometheus Unbound. So at the end of this episode, there's a little summary and a couple of insights on that. Uh, it's a lyrical drama uh, by Shelley. Oh, geez. I don't even have to have it pulled up. I should, but I don't. So, sorry. <clears throat> Prometheus Unbound. Yeah, I'm just going to say Shelley. There's there's more to that name. There's a full three names pertaining to that uh, particular work, but uh, yeah. So I checked that out. Awesome stuff. Great play. Um, not sure I would grasp it if I wasn't reading it. Like if it was happening in like live action in front of me, I don't know uh, how well I do sort of disseminating the information. But uh, yeah, basically, it's it's just one of those that has correspondence, everybody, uh, to many of the tales we've grown up on uh, that we have heard about many different pantheon of, of gods and and different happenings. Um, I kind of speak about a little later on how that kind of is uh, loosely related to the Anunnaki story. And uh, there's going to be probably more of of that to come uh, as far as the what is going on with our current narrative and what exactly is it. Uh, My personal opinion is that it is a reflection of all previous narratives sort of rolled into one and revised to make it new. Uh, I kind of touch on that topic in a couple of my episodes previous to this, uh, one of which is like the Nine Worthies, the one I, I go through uh, how in medieval times, uh, you know, we had these like different sets of saints or, or different different gods. My opinion is that each of these stories, while in our current paradigm pertaining to only a small portion of the population, uh, would have been sort of its entire own era. Um, yeah, so that's a lot. But that's kind of my my thought uh, or the way that my mind likes to go with it. I like to imagine these sorts of time periods like Tartaria and, and really take it to the max in my mind as though it were an entire age or an entire epoch. And, and you know, the that would make a lot more sense to me based on the level of our technology, uh, even as sort of dumbed down as it has kept, like, you know, your typical person, you know, won't really understand what's going on in their cell phone. As I don't either, you know, I get some of it. I know that there's certain energies moving to a certain end, certain doors opening and doors closing and that sort of thing. And like energy flows, blah, blah, blah. So 
I mean, I, I get the, the gist of how things might work, but, uh, you know, most of us don't pay any mind to any of that stuff. Same thing with like song lyrics, uh, growing up and that sort of thing. And I talk a little bit about that in this episode also, uh, and how they change, how the meanings change over time. Doors open, doors close, you know, it's, it's weird <laughs> how much alike everything is to everything else. Um, so it's kind of hard to explain sometimes, but I wanted to try to uh, just kind of touch on a few topics that were on my mind and I'm going to be more than likely doing an audio only with front and back introduction, uh, maybe just front, I don't know yet, but you know, legitimate, I want to get some music as you've noticed just on the intro there, um, I might decide to sort of create my own uh, improv intro art, as it were. Because, uh, yeah, I'm feeling froggish, you know what I mean? I want to feel like uh, like I should just be leaping here instead of uh, sort of tiptoeing along. Uh, so that's the goal. And uh, thank you all for listening to me put that out there because now it is going to become a thing. And I'm excited. Are you guys excited? Yeah! All right, cool. Well, guess what? We got a good episode coming up for you here, and there's going to be a lot more to sort of roll out uh, whenever it decides to, I guess. I had a nice quiet morning, so I was like, well, I'll sit down and put something together uh, for myself and the folks out there who are listening. So, hey, thank you all for listening. And, uh, yeah, there's a bunch of odds and ends tied together in this episode as well. Um, but that... that uh, gem I would like you to take with you from the very beginning is uh, that maybe you should take a look at this Prometheus Unbound. It's an interesting character portrayal of uh, times and places in the world and and different sorts of aspects of creation. It's wild. Um, but it is what you make it, right? So I decided to make it something pretty epic, and it was very epic for me, uh, and may it be very epic for you also. Uh, so yeah, sorry about the audio quality on this recording. Uh, my software got away from me and uh, decided to record without asking me what you know what microphone I wanted to use. So I'll just listen. I need prompts for these things, right? Am I? Are you with me, everybody? You need prompts when something's not going right. Listen, I expect <laughs> I expect no less than something to pop up on the screen and ask me, "Are you sure?" The same way as when I go to make a comment on Instagram or something. I don't know. Just a thought, you know. Uh, audio software folk who remain unnamed, since your product is free and I'm using it, so I can't really talk too much crap. It's my own fault anyway. <laughs> but uh, much love, guys, and I'll see you on the flip side. Hello, everybody, and welcome. I am your host, Random Randy, and this is the Red Thread Podcast. And I just want to say hello to everybody out there. And yes, welcome back. Welcome back. So uh, it seems to me that I've come to an agreement with myself to do at least every other podcast episode with a intro and all the bells and whistles and all the fun stuff being a new season wanted to go ahead and kind of step up my game a little bit. And, uh, you know, we're going to jump around a bit also to try and kind of tie together a lot of the random kind of stuff that was spit out last season. So <clears throat> that being said, uh, I want to kind of continue on the back of 
what I've been talking about, kind of involving like time and the the mirroring of of time in an effort to sort of create space for new timelines, I guess you could say. Um, so this is just stuff that's been on my mind for like an extended period now. As uh, you know, I'm curious, man. I'm super curious. I want to know what's going on with the world that I'm taking part in. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, it's it's hard enough to sort of find like purpose in a world such as this. Uh, and, you know, a lot of that difficulty seems to kind of come from not really understanding what or where or, you know, the, the any of the who, why, what, where, when and how of the world uh, that is essentially sort of kept from us or kind of hidden in conspiracy or, you know, occulted knowledge or information and that sort of thing. So uh, kind of looking at the topic of time, the mirror world, that sort of thing. Uh, I mean, there's so many different little aspects of that kind of like the, well, if we are in a, a form of mirror world where the upside down as it's kind of known or, or the underverse is actually like layered on top of what we're dealing with every single day. To me, that would make some sense to me. That would make some sense given the duality of the world and you know, the behaviors within it. Right. So what does that look like? What does that sort of equate to in terms that, you know, I'm familiar with? What does that mean? Uh, does it mean that we are in a binary black and white whole system? Uh, you know, much to our surprise, uh, you know, as opposed to sort of being on, a, you know, a ball of stone somewhere, perhaps we're in a temporal space, right? Um, but hey, you know, perhaps we're on a ball of stone within a temporal space. I mean, you know, it, it's, there's so much there, so much there, uh, so much information that I just can't help but crave uh, that, you know, this whole scenario with time, right? And the way that we are sort of led to see it as a straight arrow, you know, maybe a tree branch, at times, but really that's kind of the the farthest we get with our sort of explanations of time in, in a common sense. Uh, so, you know, I want to know a little bit more. I want to know how that works. And, and the interesting thing is, is if you remove kind of common physics, common material, physical world physics from the situation, uh, you're, you're left with a couple of things. You're left with like the quantum realm where, where nothing makes sense because everything is everywhere at the same time, etc. And then you end up with sort of uh, what can be called as the void realm, right? Where just like there's nothing. But the nothing is sort of a trickster, right? That, that void space or that ether is, is sort of tricky because it's uh, essentially, you know, pregnant with all of the possibilities that ever could be. So seems to me that, that we, we kind of are partaking in a, a dual system here, right? Um, yeah, so that makes the most sense to me, uh, especially when I'm looking at things like looking out and seeing, you know, the, the sort of red shift that happens as the sun goes away from me. So in my own sort of unique perspective, I'm looking at that going, wow, well, well, am I sort of a mix of black and white hole also, right? Like if I am 
a microcosm of the universe as a whole like is is that one way that we could speak about what it is that we are right kind of outside of the physical existence uh does that make sense on both of those other ends you know so these are some of the thoughts uh that you know i've been having and uh was just very eager to put these out there and share with you folks i'm sure that i'm not the only one having these sorts of really bizarre and interesting thoughts uh given the world that we've grown up in and sort of the science fiction and the fantasy and all these beautiful stories that we've been handed you know um what makes all of these stories on another note what makes all of these stories sort of incredible and and just amazing is the fact that we can imagine them right and uh, you know, if you're really into a certain story and you imagine it, I mean, you might imagine every single minute detail. You might be practically living within that experience as you're reading it or as you're watching it, right? So, I mean, that's a pretty profound effect. And uh, if we take the whole as within, so without, as above, so below thing sort of literally, uh, and we look at the world that way and we see that we see a world within our minds, could we be within the mind of yet a larger entity sort of reflecting on itself? And, and I think that that's a possibility. And that could be what the mirror aspect of, of what we're engaging in is, is uh, for the sake of reflection, you know, um, not in a sense of inversion, like uh, certain thought patterns would have you sort of believe or misunderstand, but, uh, but reflection, right? What's the difference between inversion and reflection? Well, um, just at a face value, sort of inversion is, is legitimately upside down, right? And a reflection is uh, just you looking back at yourself, right? So these are things to consider when you're talking about reversals and inversion and this sort of thing and what the difference could be in those sorts of topics. And, uh, you know, it's just crazy. We live in a super unique place that, like, all of this understanding and sort of imagination is available to us, you know. And, uh, you know, we, we tend to, in current uh, consumer culture, we sort of outsource our imagination to others, right? That's uh, the biggest thing that I notice about this world is we are constantly outsourcing our... Uh, our imaginations. We're outsourcing our imaginations to anybody who will give us something to put in there, right? No matter what your taste is, there is an entertainment out there for you. Okay. Now this can be like, this can be a couple of different things. This can be super amazing and insightful, and you can take a lot away from a lot of this information, but this can also be like a trap, right? Just kind of just like every single other sort of facet of this reality. As uh, if you invest yourself too deeply, it becomes a trap. And, and even into your own imagination, you invest yourself too deeply into your own imagination. And guess what? The outside world begins to shun you. <laughs> or at least that's how it seems because you are so far embedded within your own psyche that you are, are putting up walls and you don't even realize it. So incredible thoughts that just being a reflection there of myself so you know it's interesting to say the least that we have these opportunities for this reflection even amidst 
all of the inversion taking place. And so, you know, many of us are having to learn how to not necessarily avoid seeing the inversion or, you know, the tomfoolery all around us, but staring it right in the face uh, and then deciding, you know, what are, what's your move going to be, you know, and this applies to everything. This can apply to, uh, you know, your, your working career. This can apply to, you know, your home life and all these sorts of things. We make all of these decisions every day, uh, you know, based on information coming our way. But what, what is that really? <laughs> you know, what is the process that we go through every day? Like, I know we're, we understand it, like growing up as life, like that's just life, you know, but, but what is that? You know, uh, we can see that it's broke down into sort of like equations and it can be written out in a two dimensional sense, which makes absolute no sense to most people. Uh, you know, vast majority of it, myself included, but the ideas nonetheless are there and they're there like all around us all day long. A table sitting in the corner has certain pressure gradients and things going on that you just don't pay attention to or don't notice. You know what I mean? Your your home and the way energy flows through it, uh, you know, where your windows are located, how you get a draft or don't get a draft, all these sorts of things are like working out all around you all the time. What the heck is that? You know what I mean? It's so mind boggling. Uh, and, and then not only that, I can observe all of these things and then turn around and speak on them. And now those of you that are sitting listening are essentially having an imaginative moment within yourselves of all these processes that I just spoke about. Like, how crazy is that? How does that work? How are we all separate if everything is in the same place at the same time? So there's just so much mind-blowing stuff in the world. Uh, and you know, it's almost like as much as I often wish that, uh, you know, a world, the world around me was anything other than it is, I don't know that I would be able to make these realizations uh, without sort of the degree of madness that I've had to wade through to get to the point where I'm like comfortably, you know, borderline genius insane. And, and, and I like it. And I enjoy it. It's fun, you know. Uh, but to walk through all of the muck, you know, to get to get to that fence, right, and be like looking over it, looking at the old world over that fence, right? Uh, imagine in your minds now, looking at the old world with all of its beautiful technology, right? Because listen, I know that whether it's in the timeline or process or scene that we are playing out in this world today or it was a different act or a different scene uh you know of untold aeons ago or whatever the case is the the bottom line is, is the information on tartaria and these sorts of things is coming to light now in this reality so regardless of where it came from if it came from a sister universe and they pulled the information through cern and put it all over the internet and guess what we're running with it hey that's easily a possibility but I don't think that that takes away from the beauty of it. Uh, the beauty of it, nonetheless, having had happened, that, you know, that this had happened, that these sorts of structures were the basis for, uh, you know, the foundations of our reality, right? Capital buildings, uh, hotel, motel, holiday, and all these sorts of things, right, come from an older version, an analog version. 
right? So my understanding is that there was an analog version of the world, and, uh, you know, there may have been many. There may have been many analog versions playing out simultaneously. I mean, it gets super weird when you start looking at string theory and what time is and, and how right within our own dimension there are several others layered in here with us that we just don't partake in. So there's a lot of that brings the idea to mind that this Tartaria topic or subject could be existing alongside where we are today, right? Which is why it rings true to so many people, which vibes with, with folks, right? Uh, it's that somewhere perhaps within our genetic memory, and this can be over hundreds of thousands of years, we don't know. We haven't yet figured out how to access that genetic memory. Uh, you know, kind of like in Assassin's Creed, right? I'm, I'm sure there's a way, almost guarantee you there's a way, and we might be taking part in exactly that way. So these thoughts and more <laughs> often run through my head. And, you know, the question came to me sort of like, all right, the possibility of, you know, Tartaria being here and being wiped out by a warring people, right? Uh, sucks. That idea sucks, right? And, uh, after starting, sort of looking at the kind of narrative behind like the alien scenario, right? Personally, I think we're talking interdimensional beings, informational entities, that sort of thing. Uh, who knows? Maybe we've given them bodies or they give themselves bodies. Who knows, right? But, but nonetheless, these can be inter informational entities that we're speaking about when we're speaking about aliens. Uh, or it could just be a projection of a different sort of person, Uh you know, an avatar, if you will, or something to that effect. It's possible, right? So the idea is, is that some of these aliens, though, are sort of time lords uh, or are, are there to ensure that no timeline ends. From what I understand, these are just some wild topics, guys. You got to dig into like uh, all these channel or interviews and all this wild stuff that's on the, in, the alien side of things. There's so much interesting information sort of lumped into aliens that, uh, you know, you can get lost in there and you can get lost in the understanding or misconception that these are like all flesh and blood creatures like, you know, you and I consider ourselves to be. Um, I don't think that that's true. I think we're talking about different sorts of observers, right? Like kind of was talking about observers last couple episodes. Uh, these might be sort of more masterful observers that can sort of push their will into uh, more realities than their, their home world, basically. So these are possibilities. But nonetheless, this is classified all as aliens uh, and, and gets sort of lumped in with the ancient aliens theory and dude with wild hair and an airplane pin and all that. You know what I mean? Like it just gets thrown in there with all that stuff. And uh, but there's some like really weird underlying things. Uh, and some of these interviews and some of these discussions and, and some of them have to do with uh, sort of preserving timelines, right? And so my thought is, is that where we find ourselves today uh, essentially was maybe a dead timeline uh, or like the corpse of a previous era. I guess you could say, right? Uh, after, after maybe, maybe, listen, maybe it's a game, maybe it's not, maybe it's serious, maybe we should all buckle down, whatever, right? But uh, nonetheless, you know, the end of one, one run or one epoch, okay, 
Uh, I'd imagine that there are some spaces on the in-between of the decline and rise of different sorts of species of men or epochs or eras. I'm a firm believer that there have been countless many epoch on what we consider as this realm, and we're just stacks upon stacks, right? And uh, that someday we will be the stuff in the muck, right? Uh, which is perhaps why there's such an effort to make everything so disposable that it won't register to the folks that come next time. It's just going to be dirt, you know? Uh, everything that we build our houses out of, all that stuff, is just going to be dirt the, the next time, uh, like, 4,000 years, like that center of the world thing I was talking about, sort of states that they're putting these freaking monuments out in the middle of the desert. And in with the foresight of understanding that, in, in, they say in about 4,000 years, there's going to be people that are going to find this stuff, you know, in their little time capsule in the desert center of the earth. Yeah, it's crazy. So it's like, I'm not the only one thinking that these the cyclical nature of this place is a given. There's apparently people out there putting monuments up in the understanding that there's going to be another, what we would call end, and that would therefore become another beginning, right? So the idea that I was having is like, you know, why, why not just like, like, and we have the idea of like resets, like comet reset and uh, asteroid reset and all of these things happening. I don't think that that's what happened. Uh, I personally think it was like a interdimensional sort of startup, right? That they found a time space that happened to identify with the world they were from and use some sort of technology to isolate a, a period of time or like an era, right? It might have been an in-between era. So they grabbed this pocket of time and... Uh, that pocket of time from from my gathering would have to be sort of free of mass mind right or or mass observers right and then you can toy with the time of that period uh so it's like an intermittent period maybe they use th this little pocket of time uh and then you know install sort of a compression or a mirroring which might be like kind of this bubble that we're in uh, or there might be many bubbles, if I'm being quite honest. There might be, like, three. That might be, like, the Today Show symbol where it's, like, it's supposedly a rainbow, but it's, like, you know, the Atlantean circle, right? Like, that's three circles around, you know, a, a sphere in the center or a center. So we could be inside of, like, three bubbles, each acting as their own sort of mirror, uh, each kind of similar to Crater Earth Guy, how he speaks about what we see in the sky being uh, like a triple tree, a th threefold reflection of a larger sort of realm. Uh, you could say outside of here, I personally think it's right here with us, but that's just me. Um, so this mirroring idea and, and like the why of it, why would you need to stretch time out? Uh, you know, my thought is if you didn't have what looked like at face value very long time and you wanted to install a civilization uh, and see that civilization through from like, you know, birth to decline uh, or, or, you know, usurpment or however, uh, you would need a pretty significant period of time. 
Now, maybe you wouldn't need very long if you already had like sort of the materials for that startup available to you. Um, again, I, I lean a little bit on the alien narrative here. Uh, when we're talking about the Anunnaki and genetic modification of species on this planet and so forth. Uh, and then we, we jump back into the old world topic with the Cabbage Patch Kids. And this is a new pop culture topic also. So what is that about? You know what I mean? So uh, and then we have the Cult of Artemis tied into all of it. The Hive. Right? The Queen Bee. Magic. All these sorts of understandings. Uh, that were clearly designed and printed for the mass mind to consume. Now, where did the mass mind come from is, is the question. And, you know, were there a species here before us? Were these the Tartarians? Were these simply other people, right? Were they conquered or did they find themselves in a situation where they had the technology and the will and the ability to see themselves elsewhere, right? Uh, or maybe they graduated. You know what I mean? A lot of talk about this place being a school and that sort of thing. Uh, there clearly have been many before us here, uh, seemingly even as large as mountains, kind of making me feel like this place might be larger than the current sort of paradigm suggests, and we might not have slightest idea about units of measure in the least. So it's like all this stuff jumbles together, and, you know, it's sort of like tied up in this noodle of mine, like at all times, and it's cool, and it's interesting, and more stories keep coming out about different aspects of the story his story to be specific. And, uh, what do I know? What do I know about what, what has happened with me in this sort of experience? Well, uh, gave it the, you know, sort of pop culture, punk rock go when I was younger and just like, you know, had to see the, the dregs of myself and, and society. So I saw that and, uh, you know, I lived it and, at some point, there was a, a shift, a change of the tide. The tide was now coming back in, and it was time to approach and view the world differently, right? So I'm very familiar with, within my own existence, the back and forth sort of rhythmic aspect uh, of this place, of, of us within this place, right? And... Um, you know, all of that fun stuff, the old world, the alien narrative, the, you know, psychic phenomena, I mean, all of it uh, has had a huge, huge impact and a huge part to play in my curiosity. And, you know, for a long time, I was dedicated to this or that idea for extended periods of time. Um, and, uh, to a certain degree, all of those different ideas ha have just sort of reserved their own small special place within me, but I understand there are more ideas out there that I need to sort of gain access to, to put the puzzle together completely. And uh, 
it wasn't enough to to see and possibly believe that the earth was flat uh or that time is being messed around with or that any of these other things that i feel very confident are actually happening uh what do i mean when i say flat you might ask i mean perspective based stereoscopic eyeballs feet on the ground pretty flat right Flying above it in an airplane 30,000 feet, pretty flat, right? Uh, lots of other perspectives showing pretty, looks pretty flat from human perspective, right? So I'm not saying that there aren't other perspectives out there, sort of more superior observers, kind of like I was talking about, uh, you know, earlier, but, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know that they're alien. I don't know that they're Tartarian. I don't know that they're uh, sort of just larger people. These are the mysteries that I don't know that we'll ever sort of get to the bottom to. Uh, but I love sort of speculating about them and wondering if I'm in a sort of micro version of a larger thing, you know. Um, and the, the weirdest part is, is to like wonder about these things and somehow like beneath it all sort of know and know that like it's all good. You know what I mean? Uh, a lot of people hate on this world, and I don't know that I'd be able to sort of mull around in these these truths and understandings and these beautiful stories quite the same as if I had like something actively attacking me, like a beast or something. So I mean, there are some perks, I guess, to being here. There's no beasts, you know, running around. We got like uh, mind beasts that come out of the TV. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I've never seen a werewolf or, like, a ravenous giant beast just thirsting for blood. But maybe you guys have, right? Who knows? So, I see some positive things in this world. Many would say otherwise, and I know that that sucks from where you're sitting. Uh, but you'll get there. You'll get there. You'll turn it around. You'll reverse that, that wave, right? And, uh, man... The internet. Am I right? <laughs> the internet. So what is it uh what is it about information that can just really, really mix up our day? I mean, we can log on to something. Why do they call it log on? You know? Are we laying our timber on the line here? What's going on? So we log on and uh, you know, we see something and Bam, instantly we're mad. Or like, bam, instantly we're upset about something that happened like last week. You know, we're reminded of something in our past. And like, boom, for a flash, for a second, we're transported right back to that place in our mind. We relive that moment. We feel a muddy but nonetheless uh, present emotion of that period and uh and we relive it we relive it we reprocess that so these are the sorts of of like when i'm saying layers of this place like that's kind of a layer like layer within us that allows us to project a certain part of ourselves back to that point and you know if we concentrate hard enough through certain suggestions or hypnosis and things like that we can recall photorealistically anything um a lot of people do work on this, and it's it's simply amazing. So that can be one of the layers, right? Um, 
I think some of the the folks that dabble in in sort of readings of informational fields or like the Akashic records are kind of accessing that sort of a layer uh, of reality. So there are like all these different layers and and strings just kind of interlaced with what we see and what we know and like kind of what we're handed growing up and the storybooks and and the music on the radio, you know, and and all of that. Uh, so speaking about information and, and being triggers and that sort of thing, the music on the radio, right? I know that we all had sort of a favorite uh, set of tunes growing up. My particular favorites were always like 90s alternative and grunge and that sort of thing. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. Still do. Um, and I'm sure that many of you out there are noticing that Every year, every time possibly that you listen to, uh, you know, even something as trivial as like a Blink-182 song or some of The Offspring or these are just some that I'm throwing out there. I, of course, System of a Down ranks right up there. Even Tool, especially Tool for me. You know, it's one of my favorite bands of all time. Love it. Uh, Perfect Circle. Amazing stuff. These are all what some people would call... Hollywood acts, right? Um, I just look at them like they're, uh, you know, the circle in the square club, right? Like we just, we, we know that there is a, a form of club behind corporatized pop and, and like advertised music, right? So that, that's a given, right? Most people know that or at least understand or believe that. So the information that's contained like these little packets of information that are contained within these songs and, and it's not just the lyrics themselves but like the tunes all of these sorts of frequencies little vibrations and things are so just so incredibly purpose built to get into minds to climb in there and sort of dig in deep right and uh it's absolutely breathtaking and genius the way that this is done is this being done sort of abusively nowadays i i think it probably always has been right everything in this world is done for a purpose uh the things that people do there are motivations behind those things even if the people themselves don't understand the motivation there's still a motivation there even if the motivation is just simply to create right many folk will find themselves in a situation where they are creating and ultimately are, are kind of beholding to the act of creation. Um, and, and it sort of can, can become muddy as to why, like what is the driving force behind that? Um, motivation, right? The motive. So I know we don't understand the a hundred percent motive behind a songwriter's motivation <laughs> uh when they go when they sit down and are, are writing out these songs right uh myself though being i guess you can say believer but uh having an understanding that there is an underlying sense of all things uh, an underlying sort of uh 
driving force we can call life or some people choose God or chi or prana or ki or life force or whatever it is it's it's the movement right there's this movement of 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 all and uh you know sometimes you can get carried away with your creation and uh you know, I wonder if that's the case for a lot of these folks writing these songs. Like, you know, you can drive it home with one headlight, a little nod to, uh, you know, the, the old uh, Eye of Providence, if I'm not mistaken there. So, I mean, there's a lot of it. There's a lot of it. It's everywhere. Uh, for example, we're one in the river and we're one again after the fall, right? Life is a waterfall. System of down, everybody. System of down, right? So we grew up hearing these things. We grew up hearing these Incredibly complex and pretty deep understandings of of the world, right? Very poetic in their sense, sort of beautiful. Uh, but then you you kind of move through life, and and I know that these things are designed for this purpose. So I don't feel wrongly about saying that I know that there are many of you out there that have heard a certain song in a certain moment. And whatever your emotional state was, the emotion that you then heard reflected back at you from that song was spot on. And maybe it brought a tear to your eye or something to that effect. So I guess it begins to all sort of make sense when you look at the different media, like the different things that we can reach out and listen to or watch, uh, these, these information sets that come to us through our Instagram or to these other things, right? That we choose to engage in. Um, when we engage in those things, you know, are, are we participating in our own sort of a reversal of our own timeline? Uh, I guess is, is kind of where I'm driving at tying the, uh, previous part of the episode and this together is, was I keeping myself in a reverse loop, sort of uh, cycling around and around on the inferred understanding of some of this media and some of these things? And there's a lot of lyrics and a lot of songs I grew up on sort of hating on you. If you allow that to become your internal dialogue, right? Like Lincoln Park, like Papa Roach and all this. Like there's some dark stuff. If you allow that to become your voice of reason, the song stuck in your head. Who's to say you don't go out and possibly like harm yourself because there's a song that's like all about that, right? It's It has to have happened. It more than likely is happening. I'm not going to go so far as to say that it's the reason or the purpose behind the stuff, because that probably have somebody pissed off about it at some point. But look, like, I don't think it's designed for that purpose. One other thing that I've noticed a lot about uh, circle and square handiwork in, in the musical field is, is there's always, always the flip side to the equation built into the song. So Lincoln Park, for example, I'm so numb. I can feel you there. All right, so which one is it, guys? Which one is it? And then you remember, oh, yeah, black chip checkerboard. Okay, yeah, I get it, right? These guys are just putting out the mirrors, right? They're handing us 
the means to reflect upon ourselves. And many folks, myself included for a lot of years, are out there looking at just the super fierce, dark, negative, satanic, blah, blah, blah side. And while I'm not denying that that is a thing, I'm sure that it more than likely is. Anywhere you've got super high highs, you're going to have super low lows, right? Like that's just the way that things seem to work. Did I design it? No. Does it suck sometimes? Sure. But nonetheless, we're being handed mirrors, right? If somebody handed you a mirror every single day that you were going to do your hair or your makeup, if you still use it anymore in the world of toxins today, but hey, your hair or your makeup, and somebody hands you a mirror and that mirror's got you all twisted out of configuration, are you going to continue to use that mirror? Are you going to go to a different mirror? Right? And, and let's say let's say you feel that you're strong, strong enough to see yourself in that light. Right? In that, that reflection. And so you keep putting yourself through it. You keep looking in that mirror where you're all disfigured and tore up and it's rough. And maybe you get to a point after looking at that mirror for some odd years where you don't see the ugly thing looking back at you. Maybe you see what's really underneath, right? Now, many of us have a combination of stubbornness sort of built in and flight risk sort of built in, right? Many of us will say, no, I will freaking go find me another mirror now. Go find me another mirror right now. Go find it. You know? Uh, and many people do that. They jump from one genre to another. Guess what, folks? It's embedded in all of them. All of them, from country music to rap to rock to probably the only thing it doesn't isn't embedded within might be jazz. Like, because it's kind of more freeform, but there might be some other weird stuff embedded in there. Who knows, man? The mathematics of jazz are crazy, guys. You dig? So. I guess, you know, uh, like many of you out there, I ran from mirror to mirror until I found my preferred mirror, which is like 90s sort of alternative and just rock in general. I had a little spat with jazz back in my barista days, but, you know, that was uh, most likely caffeine-induced, if I'm being honest. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, so what happens? What happens after a while? After a while, you're looking at that disfigured face in the mirror, and, and guess what? You've got all your shit starting to line all your shit up, and things are looking good. You know, you're looking California, but you're feeling Minnesota. And then you see that reflection of that California self in the mirror. Even if to every last other person out there, that reflection looks like a garbled mess. So is that the purpose? You know, is that the purpose of this place and what's going on in it? I like to hope so, I guess, right? I like to hope so. Uh, you know, I know that there's... Some folks out there who are struggling and uh, you got this, you know what I mean? You got this, you'll make it through, you'll find your legs, I believe in you, 
continue, continue, hold your head up, you know, don't believe all the shit, these mirrors that you're looking at and hearing from all day long, don't let that shit dig into you, you know, uh, I guess in a, in a sort of more like advisory sense, I guess, you know, consciously throw your old stuff away. Uh, consciously, you know what I mean? I had a situation happen where this guy came up to me and he was just being completely ridiculous. And, uh, and you know, I, I got absolutely nothing against this dude. He's, he's a good dude. Uh, he's got his stresses and this is like workplace sort of situation. So, I mean, it's a stressful situation for a lot of people being at work, beholding to others and all that sort of thing all day. It sucks. I get it. Uh, this guy just like flew off the handle, you know, I was just simply trying to inform the man about the situation at hand. And he just walks from another part of the plant and walks over and just flies off. And as soon as I opened my mouth, like he was loaded, he was spring loaded. He was ready to go. I could tell, you know, and, uh, so I start to say something and he starts to tell me to calm down and, and like my, my inner child wasn't having it. <laughs> <laughs> my inner me was like, you know, there's a lot of people around. Embarrass this man. Embarrass this man, Randy. There's people around. Call him out. Make him look small. You know? But I just kind of quieted that voice for a moment. I said, no, you know. Put yourself in his position. This is a guy who's responsible for over 50 people every day. All of their BS and all of their complaints and all of the talkings to everybody has to get dished out every day come from this guy. So imagine being that guy. Having to dish out all this garbage to people all day long. And on top of that, having garbage piled on top of you from those people above you. Anybody that's worked in corporate sort of hierarchy at, at, the, at the worker end, at the bottom end, right, probably gets a little bit different when you get up in there towards the middle. I, I've been up towards the middle before, and it's a different set of politics, right? But nonetheless, you're typically handing shit down from above you, right? Uh, so I felt for him for a second, you know, it still caught me. It still caught me. You know what I mean? It still made me stew. I could feel my cheeks get red, everything. Uh, why in the world would somebody telling me to calm down to the absolute opposite to me? What is that about? Right? What is that? So I took the, I took advantage of the moment to reflect a little bit. I still got flared up guys and gals. I still got flared up, you know, still bugged me. Uh, but I thought about it for a good while after that because I didn't appreciate <laughs> me letting myself get bothered by somebody else's emotional state, right? So this, this is what, to me, this is what standing up for myself begins to look like to, at a certain stage. 
Um, there have been many stages before this point, which have allowed me to even cohabitate and coexist with folks outside of my own safe space and home in an effective manner without becoming so offended with the world that I just give up. <laughs> because let's face it, the world out there seems to be designed, I, I dare say, you know, for that purpose. It's like pushing. If you're listening with only that ear, it's pushing you to give up. But in the other ear, if you listen, it's generally a much more quiet sort of madness happening that might not always be heard uh, in the midst of all of the physical realness that we exist in. But there is, and, and I'm learning to sort of listen a little harder for this. And that's the part of you that says kind of just what I was explaining about. How does it feel to be him? What's what's this guy going through? What's causing this in, in this man? And imagine how much that sucks. And then and then therefore, man, I'm thankful that I'm not emotionally built like that anymore. You know? And I'm being real, I was uh I was emotionally built like like a shit house, like just garbage for a long time. Uh, but you know, one, one piece at a time, like the three little pigs, right? Little pig, little pig, let me in. Right. So that's your negative emotions knocking at the door. And you know, the first pig, not by the hand of my chin, chin, chin. Right. And I'm like, oh shit, straw house. You know what I mean? What am I going to do about my emotional straw house? So, you know, my silly, ridiculous, ever dragging things out self decides, much like the second little pig. Little pig, little pig, let me in. And I, much like that second little pig, thought I had it together, you know? Not mother hell, I'm my chin, chin, chin. And, wouldn't you know, that big, bad, emotional wolf just destroyed my house of sticks. You know what I mean? And listen, those are the same sticks that I used to love to throw at people when they come trouncing around my freaking stick house. You know what I mean? Same sticks I was throwing at people. Man, they couldn't defend me from my emotional bad wolf, let me tell you what. Right? So, you know, I like to look at it this way nowadays. Emotionally? Eh. I would say brick house. I think that at this point, there's still uh, some work to be done on maybe the windows, <laughs> maybe the doors, right? Maybe there's some weak points, uh, but will it hold up to an emotional shitstorm, this brick house that I've built using all of the pieces of broken mirror that have been thrown at me from the outside world? And so you can kind of look at some of, of what I consider I'm doing with my life as like a, a transmutation. All right, listen, I'm here. I'm here. Uh, like I've stated before, I've tried diligently in the past to not be here. That didn't work out. So here I am. Guess what, everyone? Y'all are stuck with me. It's uh, it's me against the world at this point. And, you know, the world ain't, uh, ain't want to let me go. So, so I'm here. 
And I'm like looking into hermetic principle and these sorts of things. And they speak of mental transmutation and it never would have made sense to me. Everybody never would have made sense to me whatsoever if I hadn't been thrown around a lot, been beat up some by, by the world, uh, been egged on and, you know, diffused and all of these different experiences that have led up to this point. Um, even caught myself reading a lyrical drama the other day and I'll, I'll have to dig into it. Uh, maybe I'll put out sort of, uh, small episode sort of outlining that i i'd highly recommend it i recommend this reading to anybody out there uh had a emotional response uh so it's a relatable sort of reading it's called prometheus unbound and uh i spent the last couple of weeks reading it uh just kind of on my breaks and stuff at work and i mean there were times where for man i'm vibing with this you know i can feel the deep emotion that's invested into the words and I don't think that I could have felt that quite so keenly without all of the wounds that I had received previously from all of these mirror elements of the world. You know, what's interesting, everybody, is uh, this being an audio file, you won't get to see it, but I've got this scar on my arm and uh, you all won't believe what it's from. I sliced my arm open on a mirror. <laughs> on a rear view mirror from a golf cart back in the day. Yeah, it turns out they don't have a restrictor gear in reverse. So they go very fast in reverse. <laughs> and uh, you can't do donuts while you're going that fast in a golf cart. No matter how beautifully even the dirt lot is that you're running around on. So just... Uh, little piece of info for everybody out there uh yeah reverse in a golf cart may not have a restrictor gear so just you know refrain from uh, reverse donuts after a long straightaway yeah yeah i know listen i was like in my 20s <laughs> uh, fun stuff so i mean i've been beat up i've been thrown around even by golf carts right most people can't say that so that's pretty cool and uh saw this mirror aspect all this inversion all this reversal i'm trying to look at it like it's not so much just a literal when we think of time machine we think of sending something back in time that may be a thing you know uh, i'm trying to wrap this thought up as you can as you can all tell this is uh this is going to be relegated to the abstract sort of side of my mind from this point forward for a while so that I can dig into some other stories and, you know, find some other insights and, you know, do some more research and, and read about some more, some more emotions. Uh, never thought that I'd be able to read something like, like a, a play and, and vibe with it. Uh, I guess I had a stereotypical sort of notion of what a lyrical drama would be. Uh, I can't recall exactly how I found my way to it, but uh, really incredible reading, uh, Prometheus Unbound, and uh, I guess I can probably go into a little bit sort of what the story is about. Hopefully this thing doesn't decide to stop recording on account of me being 
and something else. So yeah, we'll talk briefly about what the plot summary is in Prometheus Unbound. So it's it's four acts, right? Prometheus uh, is speaking out against Jupiter, who is the monarch of the gods and the daemons, right? Zeus in the Greek pantheon. So we have the same idea, uh, a singular god, right? Who later on in, in the in the play uh, is outlined uh, is outlined as you know both the good and the bad aspect of creation. So that's interesting in its own sense. Um, okay, so Prometheus is crying out, and there's like hawks tearing at his flesh for the day, right? So we've heard sort of this story before. He recounts his suffering and claims that he is greater than Jupiter. So this is kind of much like, to me, the plight of man uh, versus God, right? Uh, so it's the same story. And there's a lot of retellings of this. Uh, now, the earth commiserates, commiserates with him against Jupiter's tyranny. So it's like, you know, Gaia and man versus the sky god if you want to look at it like that sort of thing, right? Like, like that separation, you know, there. Uh, but anyway, she, she tells him, uh, and she tells earth is telling Prometheus this. She tells him that there are two realities, the current reality and the shadow reality. Now, ideas like that, I really feel, and, and many of us want to separate this out. And, and and identify less with the shadow realm we know we carry around with us. We know we carry this with us, right? Uh, that part of us that wants to paint it black, you know? And, and we've all got it. <laughs> we've all got it. Some, some to a higher degree, you know, some not so much. But it's there. Uh, the shadow element. The shadow reality. Um, it is my understanding that we carry this with us, right? It exists with us at all times here. Uh, and we get to choose. We get to choose. We get to choose what our reality is. And here, it is okay to engage with the shadow. Uh, it's possible, you know, that... Someplace not here, on a different vibrational scale, depending on which way you go, may not be able to engage with the shadow. So, uh, again, with about the unique nature of this place, I, and, and listen, you know, I've thought about this. It, Randy, are you digging for meaning in, uh, in an otherwise meaningless and oblique spheroid world? Like, are you? Maybe. I don't know, right? What else am I going to do, everybody? You know? <laughs> I'm going to create for myself my own reality with these two realities that I am given, right? So what does that look like, Randy? What is that story reminding us of? This is like uh, uh, like you have the mother, the father, and then the son, right? I have my mother and father realities within me. Light, shadow, however you want to look at it. Black, white. Okay. My job then, as I'm assuming, is to create gray from these two very different sort of aspects. And uh, so anyway, 
Prometheus is uh, going through his trials and tribulations and stuff, and uh, he, he summons the phantasm of Jupiter to restate his curse and then repents. Uh, but Mercury, the messenger god, arrives with words from Jupiter and the Furies. He tells Prometheus that Jupiter has willed a new punishment for Prometheus. Okay, so Jupiter's going to dish some unknown stuff out on Prometheus. Mer Mercury offers him pity but reminds him that he has to oppose him because Prometheus opposed Jupiter. So Mercury's acting on behest of Jupiter, right? Uh, Mercury asks Prometheus to reveal the secret that he alone knows the fate of Jupiter. But Prometheus refuses. So, we have Prometheus, we have Methuselah, okay? Uh, coincidence? I would dare say no, okay? And there are folks that uh, have the time to go into that kind of stuff. But uh, so, but then Methuselah, the father of Noah, the father of man, the, the previous version of man, or you can look at it as man as a whole sort of thing. Uh, the, the spirit of man that is the fire, right? That's Prometheus. Right. Um, what do you uh, let's see if you've seen Noah, the movie Noah. Right. Many of you have seen this. Uh, Noah goes to Methuselah's mountain. Methuselah's mountain. And uh, Methuselah gives him a hallucinogenic tea that gives him visions. OK. Uh, so is it possible that Prometheus is the one that is bringing the spiritual fire to man? Not fire as it's known. The spiritual fire, the access to the Akashic record, where the ideas dwell that man then uses to create technology and that sort of thing. So that's the idea. I'm just giving you a little bit of insight to my perspective on this as we kind of go back through the story a little bit. So the Furies begin torturing Prometheus by telling him that they attack humankind. Uh, and... Prometheus being the champion of humankind, this is a great blow indeed. But Prometheus accepts it as part of his martyrdom. Who else is a martyr, everybody? And this doesn't sit well with a lot of people, but yes, Jesus Christ was a martyr, right? Uh, who has done what? Taken the sins of mankind. What is Prometheus doing here? He is becoming a martyr for mankind. Okay? We have correspondence, folks in so many things so many things and when you begin to look outside of your wheel well and check out the other wheels of spinning you might find that the entire vehicle is going in the same direction right even if this wheel over here is spinning differently than that wheel over there is uh they're still heading towards the same destination that destination being uh, the understanding of the underlying sort of situation going on here. Okay, so however you like to absorb the story itself, whether through plays like this or scriptural teachings, there are avenues out there available to you. Find whichever one makes the least negative emotional response for you and dig into that. And don't be afraid of looking at what the other wheels are doing. Okay. So he reflects that even though he would never want to be mortal, that there is a promise of peace within death. Spirits come back and speak to Prometheus, proclaiming that he will quell the horseman Grimm because of his secret knowledge. What is he talking about? What do we know about Prometheus? 
Prometheus gives technology to man. What is man trying to do currently with technology? Uh, trying to supersede death, right? Trying to become uh, a form of immortal. That's what's going on. That's uh, what has always been going on. This is the search for the Holy Grail, right? And when we talk about the Holy Grail, then we think about Prometheus also being a martyr uh, and having his secret knowledge. And then we have Christ, his Holy Grail. Correspondence, folks. Correspondence there, okay? In Act 2, Oceaned Asia, uh, an Oceaned is like a, a nymph, uh, a nymph of the ocean, right? Uh, summons her sister Panthea. All right, so we have the sea and the and the earth, right? Panthea and uh, Asia, and they talk about life since Prometheus fall. They discuss dreams. Some of these, man, you guys, some of these, uh, verses. Yes, I believe that's right. Some of these verses are so profound. The wording is just beautiful. Uh, I mean, like I said, many times I've gone into this and and had like a single beautiful tear roll down my eye. Like a lot of really, really deep stuff going on here. And again, I think that this is the case when we're looking at similar stories handed to us, right? These are... Uh, they kind of are, in a sense, the secret knowledge. And it's just, it's beautiful. Anyway, go find out for yourselves, guys. Read it, read it, read this stuff. It's not just what I'm saying here. This is just a summary, okay? There's so much more going on lyrically that it's just, it's incredible. I'm probably going to have to, like, uh, put up a couple of posts with this episode with, like, a couple of those excerpts on, like, Instagram or something, just to show a couple of the very profound verses that I've found. And there are many, many in this uh, work here. So the uh, when the echoes arrive, they follow and beckon. The echoes promise that if they do, an unspoken voice will wake in an unknown world. Okay. Having to do with dreams. Dreams. Okay. So the echoes are kind of voices in the background. Um, you can think of it as like uh, spirits when we speak of these echoes. Um, basically, the echoes are communicating to Asia and Panthea that they can create a new world, right? Uh, they promise that if they do, uh, and they're, they're discussing dreams in this moment, so that's interesting. An unspoken voice will wake in an unknown world. So that's creating the something from nothing. Um, on an alchemical level, you know, that's like the um, philosopher's stone is the only way for that to happen. Is it possible that dream state is the philosopher's stone? Uh, possibly, right? So that's just a thought that I'm glad to be able to throw out there. Uh, the echoes promise that if they do, an unspoken voice will wake in an unknown world. They arrive in a forest among spirits and fawns. From there, they are sent to the cave of the Demogorgon, where Asia questions the Demogorgon about the world's creator. The Demogorgon answers that God created everything, both good and bad. Asia demands the Demogorgon 
provide her with the name for God. Now, the Demogorgon then kind of beats around the bush about it. He then goes on to speak about Jupiter, right? Meanwhile, never affirming that that is the name for what's known as God. Uh, that's something that's very clear between the lines uh, in this work. Uh, so they talk about how Jupiter rules the universe, okay? And how Prometheus gave humans fire, mining knowledge, speech, science, and medicine. Okay, when we look at the current Anunnaki narrative, we have these same roles being fulfilled once again. Okay. Now, ACS speaks with when Prometheus uh, asks when Prometheus will be freed. The cave opens and Demogorgon leaves on his chariot. Interesting. Demogorgon living in caves, leaving on his chariot, similarly to the new alien narrative. Why so much talk about the Demogorgon and the Upside Down and all this? It's the same thing, guys. It's the same thing, a different layer. Okay. The hours come to transport Asia and Panthea. On this journey to a mountaintop, Asia undergoes a change that reveals to her that it is through her love that she discovers paradise. Uh, and when we have these Asia and Panthea going through changes, that's like the shifting of the time or the epoch, right? Like, so this is like through the eyes of these larger entities that exist with us here. Um, the land, the sea, the, the nymphs, the different aspects of nature that we no longer sort of cater to, right? Okay. Uh, and that is where Act 3 takes place in heaven. Jupiter and the other gods hold court, and Jupiter claims to have conquered everything but the soul of man. He speaks of the rise of Demogorgon, who appears and then says he is eternity. Speaks of the rise of Demogorgon, who appears then and says he is eternity. Jupiter's child. What? Oh, dude, I'm your father. No! Right? <laughs> so... Again, correspondence, okay? <laughs> Only it's opposite, of course. Uh, he's the Jupiter's child, uh, right? Uh, and uh, so, and the Demogorgon being, of course, sort of portrayed as, as, uh, as dark, right? As Darth Vader, maybe. Yep, so we've got some inversion. We've got some correspondence, some beautiful little dance we have going on here. Uh, and therefore more powerful than the sky god. All right? More powerful than the sky god. Dang, dude. Oh. Kind of makes me think a lot about Kronos, right? Time. Eternity. At first, Jupiter seeks Eternity's mercy, saying that not even Prometheus would make him suffer. When Eternity does not answer, Jupiter attacks him. However, the elements will not help Jupiter, and he falls. Well, is that why we live in a world of Saturn cult worshiper folks? <laughs> Maybe, right? Apparently, Jupiter has fallen. Now, this is written in the early 1900s, folks. So, hey, man, maybe that, that, you know, reset, 1800 reset, roll out Cabbage Patch Kids scenario uh, 
isn't far from the truth. If we take into account these other larger entities, perhaps they do have the, the means to generate and people this place. That would seem to be their job. Uh, but we do have tales, again, current narrative calls them the Anunnaki, places them some back like 200,000 years or something crazy like that. Uh, but we could just, you know, listen, this could be a pretty common thing. It could be an ongoing thing. There could be rollouts of peoples constantly. The vast majority of us would never know this. Would never know this, especially if it's taking place where we cannot see. Um, they have successfully removed sort of things like remote vision and stuff like that from all those except a very select few who discipline themselves and, and look into it. Uh, unfortunately, there, though, also, they will be being taught this this art through an avenue that is approved by this control mechanism. So that sucks. But um, is it possible? Cult of Artemis, that sort of thing, has a sort of real-life impact. I think so. I think so. And remember, folks, uh, everything that you see around you at one point was a product of somebody's imagination. So that should, you know, hopefully help to kind of bolster the understanding that imagination is profound. Uh, dreams, motivations, imagination, like these are, these are it, these are it, man. These are what we build everything else that we see off of. Um, amazing stuff. Amazing. Anyway, onward. <clears throat> so Ocean and Apollo talk about Jupiter's fall. Hercules frees Prometheus, who thanks him. He tells Asia there's a cave where they can be with one another for all time. <clears throat> uh, Earth describes death to Asia, who does not understand at first because she is immortal. Earth summons a spirit guide to Prometheus, Asia, and their friends to a temple that was once dedicated to worshipping Prometheus and tells them they can live there in that cave when they arrive. The hours... Tell them the hours are again more entities that make themselves known as voices in this play, uh, so they can be considered spirits. They are the spirits of the hours. Interesting that time would have a personification on many levels in this play. The hours tell them that since Jupiter's fall, mankind is free. They have abandoned their thrones and live peacefully, but not without passion. Huh. Okay. So that's act three. All right. We're not. All right. That's act three. When I look at this and I'm thinking old world and that sort of thing, uh, maybe I'm thinking of the last time that the control system sort of dissolved and maybe, uh, Tartaria, like with its free energy and full bore analog thinking and ingenuity, uh, if and when it were a thing, uh, and it seems to have been, because guess what, folks? It is changing our current paradigm to such an extent that the future is now being changed. And even if Tartaria did not exist, it is having a profound effect on the minds of the world today. It's possible that that passion uh, wound up getting men in trouble, right? In Act 4, the spirits of the dead hours and the human mind rejoice over the peace brought about by the end of Jupiter's tyranny. Panthea and Ione 
describe a chariot with a winged infant, the spirit of earth. So, man, this goes on so many levels. Uh, the layers of creation they're describing here, one within another, within another, okay? Uh, each bringing about a new act, okay? Introducing more characters, right? Just creation, unbridled creation happening again and again, deeper and deeper. Panthea and Ioni describe a chariot with a winged infant, the spirit of earth. The earth and moon sing together about the peace and freedom mankind is now experiencing. And there are no secrets left hidden from them. Humans even control the lightning. Okay. So, what do, we do know that the lightning is controlled, but what is it controlled by? Oh, at the very end. The Demogorgon appears and speaks at the end of Prometheus Unbound to laud Prometheus's victory. Okay. Glad I could share that summary with you guys. And, uh, you know, listen, you're going to want to read it. You're going to want to read it yourself. It's beautiful. Uh, but, like, even in these, these tellings, there's, like, an inference of creation within creation. Uh, and that this keeps happening more deeply, more and more deeply. Um, that absolutely does not answer like the face value questions about what the heck is happening with history and our world and that sort of thing. Uh, yes, when we factor in time and manipulation and all of these sorts of things, it gets incredibly more confounding and more confusing. There are so many different mirrors being created to reflect upon that it borders on madness, right? Borders on madness. But nonetheless, I'm here. All of you out there listening to my voice are also there where you are. So here I am, there we are, there I am. Wow, you know? So great lyrical drama, highly recommended. Um, like, highly recommended. Spoke volumes to me. And uh, kind of in my mind, reinforces that layer within layer sort of thinking that the ideas uh, of, of creating and manipulating histories or stories in general, uh, I, much like we see ourselves creating within a two-dimensional world and models and computers, things like this, um, I don't think that it's a far cry from the capabilities of man as it stands today to be able to create new timelines altogether, to create new bubbles within which new forms of being can be cultivated and creative and uh, created. And I'm sure that it's already happening. Uh, I'm sure that it has never stopped happening. Okay. And furthermore, uh, it, it's becoming ever more clear that, guess what? All of us here, if you're taking part in these bodies on this place, you are, whether you want to admit it or not, therefore some creation of something. Now, with the idea of what that thing is that created us scares some people. What if it was a giant spaghetti monster, right? 
What if, man? Like, so what? Would you still love that giant spaghetti monster for making you here? I know I would. I know I would. Uh, and, you know, looking at Prometheus and tying that to, the, you know, the Prometheus movies, uh, remember we have the C-shaped ship. Now, listen, everybody, go go look at the Creator, Guy, Creator Earth Guys videos. Uh, check that stuff out about the outside of the crater being the, the, the craft, the life form that is like kind of uh, the, the controlling behind the scenes and all this stuff. I mean, it's one take on an infinite possibility universe, but I like it. It's cool. It makes a lot of sense for the creation within creation sort of aspect of it. Um, yeah, so Prometheus in those movies uh, is the one that that sacrifices itself to create the DNA that's needed for life to begin on that planet. Uh, I, again, I think that the idea of these Anunnaki is a placeholder um, and, and maybe a placeholder put in place by these folks that are in control to manipulate the story, to make it uh, believable that they have done this thing. Maybe they haven't, though. Maybe they aren't the ones. Maybe it was something bigger, something different. Uh, but for you know us little little humans down here, uh, you know it's just more comfortable to see something that looks somewhat like a person and and identify that with your forebear. So and maybe that's the case. But anyway, Prometheus Unbound, everybody, go check it out. Uh, I think we're gonna wrap this episode right on up. And uh, listen, hey, give us a, a rating. We're finally up on Apple, so go over there, give us some ratings. Uh, the Royal We, of course. And uh, yeah, you know, if uh, if you dig what you're picking up here, dig what I'm laying down, uh, give us a rating, some feedback, comment on the YouTube at Random Fracks over on YouTube to search it up. Now, uh, you all have a great rest of whatever it is for you, and uh, I will be back. At some point, probably soon, I find an itch to do these sorts of things. It helps me to think. It helps me to sort of clear my mind and uh, kind of bring others with me on my wild, uh, like, you know, Mr. Toad's wild ride over here. You know what I mean? The crazy thought train. I mean, all aboard, anybody, right? All aboard. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, once again, yes, that's right. The end of the episode is here. Ah, ha, 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 ha. Until next time, everybody.